Hello, my name is Aisha Downs, and I am currently a sophomore here at Randolph College. I'm a Museum and Heritage Studies major with a possible minor in History or Art History. I would like to say that I'm a self-proclaimed history nerd with a specific interest in the art history of the Renaissance and Baroque periods. I have hopes of being able to go into the museum field and do curation or painting restoration as my future career. But that's enough about me. Let's get into talking about the book I picked for this project. The book I selected for this podcast project was How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. Kendi is an award-winning author, scholar, public speaker, and a New York Times bestselling author. He is the founding director of the Anti-Racist Research and Policy Center at America University. Currently, Kendi is an Andrew W. Mellon professor in the humanities at Boston University. Kendi has won the National Book Award in 2016 for his book, Stamped from the Beginning, The Definitive History of Racist Ideas in America. His book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, was published in 2019. How to Be an Anti-Racist could be classified as both a primary and a secondary source. Through the description of his own personal experiences with racism, along with the struggles his parents and other African Americans in the United States faced, this source could be classified as a primary source. Kendi also analyzes and discusses the historical events and racial struggles African Americans have faced in the U.S., which allows for this source to also be classified as a secondary source. The book touches on the broad timeline of the history of African Americans in the United States. In doing so, Kendi is able to discuss the certain laws and racial ideas created during slavery that still have an impact on our society today. Further, Kendi urges his readers to analyze their society, the policies that govern it, and the people who live within it. This will allow the reader to recognize and attempt to change or demolish racist policies. The book talks about the differences between racists and anti-racists. An anti-racist, according to Kendi, is, quote, one who is supporting an anti-racist policy through their actions or expressing an anti-racist idea, end quote. An anti-racist mentality requires both an analysis of your attitudes toward race, but also how our society has developed a system of racist policies that are designed to be biased. That bias can be explicit or implicit and is often shown through ideas of assimilation or segregation. In most policies today, they are more implicit in their goals to create different separations in our society. A key point Kendi makes is that na- racial neutrality, which is defined as ignoring the existence of race in its entirety, is more harmful than racism itself. Kendi wishes us all to acknowledge the difference between our races. However, he reminds his reader that we should not use those differences to create reasons to justify racist ideas create ideas that segregate us, or create discrimination. This is an important idea that I'll keep in mind while discussing my favorite aspects of the book. Personally, I admire how open and candid Kendi is while discussing his experiences with race and his openness about those experiences. He has also been very upfront about the times he has held his own biases against certain people because they didn't fit into the stereotypical mold that he had been taught about that race. In chapter 7, he describes an experience in which he moved to Manassas, Virginia, and he was let down by the way that his new community had carried themselves, because he felt like they didn't live up to the culture of his community back in New York. He made the remark that, quote, The guys in Virginia could not dress. I hated their ebonics. End quote. This remark that Kendi makes about his younger self's attitude towards his new black community connects to the first idea in this book that really stuck with me, and that was cultural racism. According to Kendi, cultural racism occurs when there is a cultural standard that creates a cultural hierarchy. 
I believe that cultural racism, while it may be present as more implicit than explicit in our society, has created a standard for whiteness that is unobtainable for people of color. These are standards for how we are expected to dress, speak, and style our hair, just to name a few, all of which are set on a precedent created by white people and as the example for the people of color to adhere to. Hairstyles in the professional world is a good example of this white-created precedent. Women of color are expected to follow rules in the workplace that say their hair must be quote-unquote neatly styled. However, this definition of quote-unquote neatly styled often looks down on women of color, specifically black women, if they choose to wear their hair in its natural curly state or if they choose to wear it in a protective style like box braids or locks. These natural styles for black women are often deemed to be messy and leave some employers to say that black women's hair is quote-unquote unkempt just because it's in its natural texture. This idea of messiness is held because of how black women's hair in its natural state presents differently than that of a white woman whose hair often lays flatter and straighter. This discrimination is something I've experienced personally as a young black woman. Denying black women their option to wear their hair in its natural state because it doesn't fit into the quote-unquote cultural norm is a form of cultural racism, as it places the standard of straight hair over that of hair with any sort of natural curl pattern to it. While this issue, in regards to hair, is not as bad as it used to be, black women still have to worry about the way they style their hair and what assumptions someone may make of them just because of their hairstyle. Another important topic that really stuck with me from this book is the vilification of the black body. Kendi demonstrates that a person's blackness can be perceived as a threat. There has always been an association made in the United States of blackness and violence. This false narrative has created fear to be built based on the untrue notion that black people are inherently more violent just because of their skin color. This idea of quote-unquote evil blackness from the passing has stemmed from the passing of the Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act in 1993. This act was created in an attempt to get rid of and punish black super predators. The super predators was a term politicians used in the 1980s and 1990s to falsely link violence and criminality to black and brown communities, and particularly black men. There was a belief that black children of the late 80s and through the 1990s were going to grow up and become super predators because they were being raised in areas that were believed to have increasing crime rates. This increase in crime, especially in low-income neighborhoods, was used to justify the idea that black children were going to be more violent than their white counterparts because they were raised in this dangerous environment. However, there's been evidence that shows that there's no real link between race and crime. There can only be a proven link between poverty and crime. So in this case, these low-income areas are exposed to violence more than those in higher-income areas. This perception as blackness is danger leaves black people especially vulnerable to, to cops who see their skin color and automatically become fearful because they have been fed this idea that all black people are dangerous. This quote from Kendi really stuck with me when I read the book. He says, we are not meant to fear the suits with policies that kill. We are not meant to fear good white males with AR-15s. No, we are meant to fear the weary, unarmed Latinx body from Latin America, the Arab kneeling to Allah to be feared, the black body from hell is to be feared, end quote. This quote speaks volumes as to how our society views people of color. We are automatically pressured to fear the innocent just because their skin color is darker, or they don't look like the stereotypical friendly suburban white family. 
In this country, we have put such a bias on color that every day when a person of color leaves their house, they have to worry about how other people may perceive them to be a threat to safety, and as a result, call the cops in a sense to quote-unquote neutralize the threat. This isn't fair as a person of color. I hate having to worry about getting stopped by the cops and getting shot just because they think I'm a threat because of the color of my skin, or simply leaving my house and worrying if someone is going to see my blackness as a threat. This is super relevant to the current situation we are facing within the United States today, especially with the Black Lives Matter protests and the murders of so many innocent black people like George Floyd or Breonna Taylor, just to name a few. We as black people are trying to change our narrative and show that we are people too and we bleed the same blood that any white person may. The only difference between us is the color of our skin. Violence doesn't equate to skin color. But there are pieces of legislation that help to almost legitimize this idea and result in the mass incarceration of people of color. There are aspects of the laws that serve as the foundation of our society that let these racist ideas continue to have an effect on how our society runs. In my opinion, I believe this book is an essential read, especially with the current social and political climate of our, our country. It'll help us to identify the racist policies within our society and how those policies have influenced all aspects of our lives. I appreciate this book because it's allowed me to begin an open and honest reflection with my own ideas of race and how some of those, even if it's unintentional, may have some extremely biased undertones. I think that the most important thing that I've taken away from this book, that is if we as a society do not get rid of racist policies, we cannot get rid of people who hold racist ideas. These policies cause more harm against people because they create barriers, whether it be physically, socially, or emotionally, that can prevent people of color from reaching their full potential. I believe that the rise in the Black Lives Matter movement has helped us to take great strides in identifying the racist parts of our society and begin changing those to make them better for all people of color. I urge you to read this book as it can give you a new perspective on your beliefs on race and the beliefs of those around you. Thank you so much for listening.